0: Okay. Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. My name is Kristen Harcourt, and I'm your host. I'm an executive coach and professional speaker, and I created this show to speak to progressive CEOs, strategic HR leaders, and forward-thinking experts who are really passionate about creating positive workplaces where we can do our best work. This is not about talking. This is about walking the talk. And I am really privileged to introduce you to today's guest. I have Jamel Lindo, who's an emotional intelligence leadership coach, also a facilitator and trainer, and works at Paradigm People Development. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Christoph.
0: So, Jamal, I, I think as a starting point, we, um, I always let people know right now it is July 20th and we are still in a global pandemic. A lot has changed in the world over the last uh, four to six months. And so I like to start there and, you know, really make it personal for you, Jamal. Um, how are things going with you? How have the last four to six months impacted you with this global pandemic?
1: Yeah, that's a a great question. I think that we're all being challenged and stretched in in new and unexpected ways, right? I was uh, speaking to someone not too long ago, business partner, and we had all of these incredible plans, you know? And I looked at our last meeting and our last meeting was in February. And so we had reconnected recently and I said, you know, isn't it crazy that we had all these plans to do all of these things and look where we are now. We couldn't have called it, right? And so I think for me, um, it's, it's adjusting to what's happening. And the lucky thing on my end is that I have three streams of business, uh, coaching, training, and speaking, and the coaching is already all happening online. So I'm one of the lucky ones that wasn't totally impacted. And the, the other thing that I've been thinking a lot about and transitioning into is the digital side. So how do I reach more people virtually? And that's something that was always on the horizon, but I never really got to because things were just so crazy before all of this happened. And now I have the opportunity to do wonderful podcasts with people like yourself. Um, I think on the emotional side, since I am an emotional intelligence coach, it's been the same as anybody else, uh, challenging a lot of ups and downs, good days, bad days. But that just speaks to the importance of my work, right? And for me, it just means doubling down on all of the things that help me to show up the way that I need to show up emotionally to bring value to the people that I work with, right? So it just speaks tremendously to my work and it's put me in a position where I have to double down on my work, not just for others, but for myself.
0: Yes. Yes. I, I still so relate with so many of the things that you, you said. First of all, recognizing there have been some silver linings, right? That now it's afforded you the time to focus on some things that perhaps you had been considering, but just really didn't take action on it because you're being pulled in many directions. So it's like, okay, now I have an opportunity to to really get involved in this online world. Um, and the other thing that you point to, which I've spoken to about a, a lot, and, and for anyone who is, uh, has been listening to the show regularly. Is is that all of the stuff that you and I are talking about when it comes to emotional intelligence and mindfulness, it's not like we're just going out there and teaching it. We're practicing and using this every day in our lives. And so a lot of those tools that are in our toolkit, we've been really been able to leverage them and recognize what's going on for ourselves. So I agree completely. It's uh, I feel very privileged and um, grateful that I've, I've kind of came across these tools over 10 years ago and been able to really put them in, in the day-to-day practice
1: yeah 100% and it's interesting that you say that because I think oftentimes times when we are the practitioner sometimes you know we, we can feel that we are the masters of something and I always say if you meet someone who says that they've mastered emotional intelligence or they've mastered mindfulness or they've mastered self-awareness run the other way because it's, it truly is a lifelong journey right? And even as an emotional intelligence coach, I go through the gamut of emotions and negative thinking just like anybody else. The difference is that I have so much experience working with it and understanding it. So it's a lot easier for me in a pandemic or whatever the situation may be to find an emotional and mental equilibrium, to find a sense of emotional and mental balance. And once you have that balance underneath you, it's like standing on a firm platform. And then you can actually go out there and do the things that you need to do. But when that platform of your your mind and your thoughts and your emotions is unstable, what you find is this constant interference every time you try to go out there and accomplish something. So for me, again, I had to double down to find that emotional balance. And in working with other clients, I'm so happy to see that because of the work that I've done with them they were able to show up in incredible ways during this pandemic.
0: Yeah, I, I think one thing that you pointed out there is so important to remember that the teacher is always the student. We're always going back and forth, right? You don't become the teacher and never the student again. We're always learning, it never stops. And, and I like yeah. where you went there and I think it would be great to share with, uh, with our audience. Um, what are some of those tools that you notice? So if we think about what's going on right now and there is so much uncertainty, um, there can be some crisis management happening, right? Things need to be, uh, decisions need to be made quickly and sometimes without all of the answers. Um, There's definitely resiliency is something that we really want to be able to tap into right now. So I'm curious for you and and a lot of the work that you're doing, and and I'm going to be interested because it's a lot of the work that I'm doing as well. What are some of those recommendations you make for people that are, let's talk specifically about what's going on right now in both our workplaces and outside of workplaces? Because the line's really been blurred right now because I don't know about you, I'm in my workplace. Place, which is my home. I also have the kids home, another significant other that might be down the hallway. So really, quite literally, our work and our our, our personal life have really been integrated very, very much in, in these these this current climate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's quite a bit there. And, and, and to kind of make sure that there's an understanding, I want to start by explaining really what emotional intelligence is. Mm-hmm. And then I'll talk a little bit about why it's such an important skill to develop given the times that we're in right now i mean it's always important but it's especially important right now so to make it simple right and it really is not all that simple (laughs) and i'll explain why in a minute but emotional intelligence basically refers to your ability to be smart about emotions the emotions of your own and the emotions of others now what most people don't know about emotional intelligence is that it's not one thing. It's not one skill. It's actually an umbrella term that refers to many skills that tie in to our emotionality. So what skills could that possibly, what skills could those be? Well, these are skills like self-awareness, your ability to be able to perceive your own thoughts and emotions and see how they impact your behavior. Things like empathy, which is the ability to be able to tap into and understand the experience of someone else. How is the world occurring to someone else right now? That's important because it will help you to communicate with them, to tailor your message so that it can be well received. You need to know what's happening for them emotionally and mentally in that moment. Otherwise you'll be totally off base in your communication. Another skill that a lot of people don't realize is a part of EQ is assertiveness, right? That's your ability to be able to stand up for what you believe in, say what needs to be said, have the difficult conversations, not to be confused, with aggressiveness, okay? Assertiveness is not aggressiveness. In fact, it's your ability to be able to say the things that need to be said in a positive and constructive way. So I've only listed three out of 15 different skills. But again, if I were to kind of summarize and break it all down, I would say that emotional intelligence is essentially the most quintessential people skill. How do you deal with people? And that includes you. You're a person, right? Now, what does this all have to do with where we are today? Today, we are in an incredibly difficult time. There is this, this sense of unknown. We don't know what's around the corner, we don't know what is going to happen. There's this feeling of having a lack of control, right? We, we don't understand. Uh, why these things necessarily are being imposed on us. Information is changing all the time. The restrictions are changing all the time. There's this lack of clarity, right? Now, on top of that, you still have to be able to show up in your work. You still have to be able to perform. You still have clients and employees and colleagues. And if you're a leader, you have a team that is depending on you to be there and effectively do what it is that you need to do. But that is in conflict with all of these emotions that come with the unknown that come with the stresses of everything that we're dealing with right now in this pandemic. so when you think about all of those things, you then start to realize why having an understanding of emotion, what you're feeling at any given moment, but also understanding the emotions of others, whether that be your family, your colleague, your friends, the people that are reporting into you if you're a leader, is that much more critical, that much more important? And then you compound that. And I'm going to finish here. I feel like I've been talking for 10,000 years. You compound that with the fact that everybody is virtual, right? Everyone you talk to is on this little, this little box here, right? I'm in a little box and you're holding it on your phone, which is another little box. This is how we're communicating. So you're removed from them physically, which means that all of those little cues that you would normally get when you're face to face are not there. So you have to be that much more tuned in in order to be able to communicate effectively.
0: Yeah, no, I I really appreciate you taking the time to do that because uh, I talk about it all the time, but there's people here that aren't necessarily clear when we say emotional intelligence, what exactly do we mean by emotional intelligence? And as you've just described, it it talks about a lot of different areas, but as you and I both passionately believe, and I think how you just just demonstrated beautifully and what you just said right now. It's key to what's happening every day in our interactions to not be able to work through the emotional intelligence and understand how your emotions are impacting you and the people around you. How can you possibly be as effective at your job?
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. And I'll give you some really simple examples just to bring this, make this a little bit more contextual, right? So let's say you know, you're about to enter a virtual call And what you're thinking about is the uncertainty of your role. So you don't know, given the organization that you're working for and what they do, uh, whether or not there's any certainty there. You don't know if they're going to stay in business. You don't know if they're going to lay people off. You have no idea. So you're attending this call and let's say that this call is about a new marketing campaign that has to be rolled out and you're the leader of the team that's going to be rolling out this marketing campaign. So all of these conversations are happening. But if you have all of these emotions of fear, of uncertainty, of frustration, what will happen is they start to form a cloud, right? And they obstruct your ability to be able to focus on the task at hand. So if you don't resolve or acknowledge or deal with those emotions, now your ability to do a very simple task is compromised. That's just you. That's just the individual. Now I want for you to compound that with your team. Imagine the entire team feeling the same set of emotions but not having conversations around it and now trying to collaborate with one another. What are they thinking, right? They could be thinking, do I really want to give myself to this project right now? I don't even know if I'm going to be with this company, you know what I mean, in a few days. How am I going to give my best work when I'm thinking about whether or not I'm going to be able to provide for my family within the coming weeks? I'm thinking, instead of preparing for this presentation, I'm thinking, should I be preparing my resume? So as you can see, our emotions and the situation is informing our ability to be able to perform. So you have to deal with, and I'm sure we'll get into this stuff, Kristen, you have to deal with those emotions in order for you to be able to show up effectively in what you do.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really good example and scenario you gave right now because it's one thing to talk about it intellectually. It's another to talk about, like really get into what's happening in the day to day. So let's stay with this example you just gave here because I think it's, it's very well done. And so what do you recommend? So uh, the leader is about to go on to this call. and Let's just go through the scenario exactly like you described it. They're feeling exactly like you just described and other people on the, on the call are also having their um, different thoughts and challenges around it. How do we work through this?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So the first thing that a leader needs to do is they need to focus on themselves and their own state and manage that first, because their emotional state is setting the tone for their team. So if they're showing up, and they're disgruntled, and they're upset, and they're frustrated, and they're annoyed, and they're not aware of it, they they will not realize this, but it's going to come across in their behaviors, slightly passive aggressive tones, maybe directly aggressive tones. Uh, There's going to be negativity and all of that negativity is now going to start to impact the culture and the way that people interact and the psychological safety of that particular group. So if the leader is not managing their own stress, what will happen is that stress will filter through to their group and it will seize, right? So think of when... Calipers or something mechanical seizes, right all of those gears, it will seize the the mobility and the ability for your team to be able to perform effectively. So you have to develop an ability to recognize what your emotional state is and how you're expressing it. Now, I don't want to make this seem like it's wrong to feel those emotions. In fact, it's totally normal. We're all human beings. It's not about the right and wrong emotions to feel. It's about your ability to recognize any emotion and manage it appropriately. So if I'm developing a practice of self-awareness and I'm about to go into a meeting, I might ask myself, what emotional state am I in right now? What am I feeling? And I need to label my emotions. Just by labeling them, you reduce right, the intensity of those emotional experiences. You shed light on them. And then you set yourself up to start to choose how you're going to show up in that moment, as opposed to arbitrarily reacting to an emotional state. And that's the power in emotional intelligence. So if I stop and I pause and I recognize where I am, I might just be authentic in that moment and share with the team. Hey, this is, I just want for everybody to know we have a job to do, but this is challenging for me. And I'm sure that it's challenging for you guys. There's a lot of uncertainty. Right. And for me, it's, it's frustrating. There's some concern there. You may feeling this may be feeling the same. And what I'm doing is I'm opening up this dialogue to have a conversation about what's really happening so that we can start to clear that cloud of emotion, allowing people to express, right? Being authentic about where you're at, but still leaning into assertiveness and self-confidence. Self-confidence is also another part of EQ so that your, taking responsibility for the direction that you're moving in, even if you're unsure with whether or not it's going to be successful. Mm. So to kind of bring that back, it's about acknowledging where you're at, giving yourself an opportunity to express or manage that emotion. You may manage it in a different way, giving your team an opportunity to express, to share, and you're clearing the emotional clouds out of the way so that now you can refocus on the task at hand without the interference.
0: Yeah, such a such a great example and thank you for walking us through it in that way Jamal because I think sometimes there is a, not I think I hear this a lot right there is some judgment around good or bad emotions and that's one thing that I really try to educate around that it. it's it's just to be human is to experience the full range of emotions but the more you can take that time to pause and take a step back and recognize what's there and name it and acknowledge it um, with grace and self compassion not judging yourself sometimes it's like a double thing, you're already feeling it, and then you're judging yourself for feeling it on top of it, that's not going to help anybody, right? So just recognizing what's there. And how powerful is that when you go into a meeting and acknowledge, hey, guess what? I'm human just like everybody else in this room. You're naming what probably a lot of people on that call are also experiencing. And then it helps them to recognize, oh, okay, it's normal. Of course, I'm feeling this. Um, Creates so much more connection as well
1: it absolutely does now here's the here's the kicker when we say these things Kristen, it sounds so simple and it sounds so easy so people will walk away and they'll be like oh emotional intelligence is easy i just have to name and label my emotions beautiful so what will happen is they'll walk away with the conceptual understanding of what emotional intelligence is but then not do it not apply it not practice it not make it happen at all in the real world right? So that's the reason why emotional intelligence is so elusive. All of the studies show that emotional intelligence is connected to high performance and also to effective leadership. But we have to ask ourselves, if that's the truth, then why is it happening as much as it should be happening? Why is it not as easy as it seems when you and I talk about it? And I recommend a simple strategy like labeling your emotions. And the reason why is because we don't actually practice it. And the way that I like to explain this is think of, think of it like physical fitness. Mm -hmm. Emotional intelligence is about emotional fitness. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to get into an emotionally fit place. So if you want to become physically fit and you go see a coach to help you do that, they're going to come up with this plan and this strategy. And they're going to talk about how they're gonna implement this plan and strategy. Go to the gym, eat a certain amount of calories per day, here are the exercises, all of that good stuff. But talking about it, right, is never gonna make you fit. You can go to a million and one webinars about physical fitness, you can talk to the best people in the world about physical fitness, you can read all the books in the world about physical fitness. None of those things make you physically fit. The only thing that makes you physically fit is if you get out there and you go to the gym and you start working out, point blank, period. So when I recommend a strategy, if you don't actually go out and implement it, not once, not twice, but consistently over an extended period of time, your emotional intelligence will not change. And this is the reality for most of us. It's just like physical fitness. We have the plan. We know what to do, but we don't do what we know.
0: I mean, I say this all the time. You could read as many books. You could be someone who's reading ten books a month, fifteen books a month. But if you're not applying anything that you read in the book, you're not going to get any further. And and I like what you said there because I think it's a reminder. A couple of things. One is that you know what are you doing to remind yourself and put this front and center so that you are practicing it. Uh, you know, even every meeting, I, I think about this with some of uh, my clients, and there's different things that they're doing to anchor it. So they might have something on. Their their journal that says label emotion before meeting, as an example, right? So that every time they go into a meeting, they're giving themselves that pause for a couple of minutes to just check in with where they are. Um, what's my emotional state? And they might have something, uh, a calendar, they might have a notification that they put on their phone where three or four times a day it's saying what's your emotional state so they're getting in the habit of checking in with themselves they might want to be working on empathy so they'll have something that's on their uh, journal saying listen or wait which wait is why am I talking right so these different things where they're helping to anchor themselves in, that they're working on that new behavior. Because if not, we just get into autopilot, right? We're doing the same things we do every day. And let's be honest, you and I can talk to everybody right now and say, it's uncomfortable, right? When we're practicing a new skill, it's not like, oh, this is so fun. I can't, no one's, like when you're at the gym and you're in a lot of pain after the workout, you're not thinking like, oh, I of this pain I'm in after going to the gym. Like, no, it's a, it's, but you get more and more used to it. And then you also start to see the rewards, right? If you're working on your fitness, because I think that's such a good analogy it's the repetition, it's the consistency, you're doing that over and over again, you start to see those results. But until you start the behavior change over and over and over again, you're not gonna get to see those results. So I, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, even when I've talked to people when I, I'm saying, uh, I, I've talked a little bit around numbing, right? And we have different things we do for numbing. We might look at social media, we might go shopping, we might have a drink, we might have whatever. And it's in that moment where you're feeling it and you're experiencing it, and you're about to do this, and you do something different. That's where you're putting the behavior into action. But a lot of times we need something to remind ourselves every day what we're working on, so that it's front and center.
1: That's exactly it, right? And the the best way is when you have external support. The Ideally, what we would like to be able to do is take these strategies, apply them and use them in and of ourselves. And that's what I would recommend. But the best way to get accelerated growth and accelerated development is with external support. So it's by seeing an actual professionally certified trainer, by seeing a professionally certified coach. We have to look at this the same way that we look at anything that deals with performance. When you look at a high-performing athlete, when you look at an Olympian, when you look at somebody who's in the NHL, when you look at somebody who's in the NBA, all of them have coaches. Steph Curry, the best, one of the best three-point shooters in the league, if not the best in the league, actually I believe he is, and maybe even the best of all time, has a shooting coach. Why is that? Michael Jordan also had a coach. Why is that? Why is it that high-performing athletes have coaches? Well, the reason for that is because they're going to be looking from the outside in and help you to criticize your performance so that you can make tweaks and enhance in certain areas. I just started playing chess. I love it. I think it's a phenomenal game. Um, In fact, I might even be addicted, (laughs) but um, I have a coach, right? Why? Because my coach will help me to see the mistakes that I'm making so that I don't make them as often. I might catch and adjust that one mistake after I've done it 20 times, but my coach can help me to fix that in the moment. So it's really helpful. It doesn't have to be me and it doesn't have to be you, but it's really helpful to have some kind of external support um, to help you in the process. But that has to be balanced, of course, with your own internalization of, of the process, because at the end of the day, You want to be able to develop your own sense of self-awareness. So don't depend on that external opinion and perspective, still cultivate your own, but leverage it as a tool to help give you insight and to help shed light on some of those blind spots.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I like the way you described it. It really is about guidance and you're developing those own skills within yourself as well. But there's um, so much research research to show um, how we can get in our own way, right? We will have limitations. And when you have somebody else encouraging you, you'll go up, you'll really, really move past those limitations and go to places you wouldn't have necessarily gone on your own. The other thing I always like to emphasize is you have a safe space to, to talk through the struggles, to talk through when you tried something and it really didn't work and the impact of it not working and what you might wanna do differently next time. Um, The other thing that I think is really, really critical that I see with a lot of the high performers that I work with is there's also somebody who's championing you and celebrating the wins because a lot of times it's like, well, I got that done. Check that off the list. What am I going to do next? Right. There's no pausing and celebrating like, wow, look what you just accomplished here. Like, look at where you were six months ago, because a lot of times high achievers are so busy looking out this way and always looking forward and what's next, what's next what's next they they forget to go back and look this way and say wow, look what I accomplished in the last six months. Look what I accomplished in the last year. You know, a year ago, people in meetings would say, you know, I didn't shut up and I was always talking. Now I actually sit back and I I talk a lot less than I ever did before. And I actually enjoy <laughs> sitting in meetings and not talking and watching what happens as the group collaborates and they speak up and, and all of that kind of stuff. So, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's, it's, and I, you know, I'm sure you, you did a great example as you talk through working uh, with chess myself as well. Like once I I started working with a coach over eight years ago, I never stopped. Like I'm going to continuously always work with different coaches at different parts in my journey, because once I get what it's all about, why would I ever want to stop, right? You go through different phases where you might want somebody else in your journey based on where you're going, but it's, you start to see those results and what it feels like. And, you know, I can't tell you how many leaders, once I start working with them and they said, you know, if I knew this is what it was going to be like, I would have signed up 10 years ago. I wish I hadn't waited so long
1: yeah yeah definitely not on day one though i don't know my my clients don't say that on day one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> normally day one it's like if i knew it was going to be like this i would have i would have never signed up <laughs> um, yeah that's kind of a it's kind of a funny joke but it, it's it's true right because you nailed it uh you know the first step is is awareness and if you are on the journey then awareness is going to shed light not only on the ways that you are showing up how you want to, but in also in the ways that you're not. And so to see that and to not run from it, but to face it head on is difficult work. It really is challenging and it's very uncomfortable, as you mentioned, but it's a part of the process. In fact, if you're engaging in some form of development and there's no discomfort, then development is not actually happening. So we have to welcome that experience and understand that that's what leads us to to truly being able to expand and become better and, and, you know, become more and begin to reach into our true potential. So that piece around discomfort is necessary. And so it's, it's interesting because when you, when you go out there, something else that you mentioned, when you try these strategies, they are not going to work. If you go out there and you try, let's say an empathy strategy, I'll give you an example. Uh, With clients who struggle with empathy, which is the ability to understand somebody else's view, I will equip them with empathy questions to start conversations. And then I'll also say things like, I want for you to go into the next conversation and I want for you to only talk 25% of the time and listen 75% of the time. And while you are talking, I want for the majority of that talking to be questions. And let's come back and let's talk about how that goes. right?" So they'll go out there and uh, they'll give it a shot and it won't work, right? They'll find that they're talking way more than 25%. They'll find that when they are talking, they're not using questions, that they're using statements or they're explaining things as opposed to, you know, pulling information from the other person and getting an understanding of what their view is. So what happens is we can now come back and look at that and dissect it and figure out what's really going on there. Why is it that understanding somebody else's view is so challenging? And then you get all of these crazy insights that come up when you start asking some really difficult questions. And oftentimes it's things like, well, it's because I feel that I have a need to be right. And if I let somebody else talk long enough, I might be wrong. And that's where that insecurity comes from to have to be the one who's speaking all the time. Like that's some real stuff. Right. And these are the things that are holding us back from living into our potential as leaders and professionals and empowering other people to do the same.
0: Absolutely, and to use that example, because I just find that shows up so often in leadership, um, sometimes they start to even recognize that it's difficult to not go in and fix things, right? They're so used to being the problem solver, and then to ask questions for that person to actually learn on their own, which is so empowering, right? Because now that person is developing the skills for them to come to their own solutions. It's actually, that feels quite uncomfortable because a lot of times um, we've been conditioned to, to have to go in there and fix everything, right? So to not fix it feels really uncomfortable. So I I really like what you're pointing to there is um, the exploration and what you discover from all of this and practicing so many insights you couldn't have even imagined, but you don't get the insights until you go and start practicing it, right? You can't just talk about it.
1: (laughs) That's exactly it. And you can absolutely start practicing on your own. I don't want to leave the message that you can't. Um, That's why I recommend that you start, right, is with daily self-reflection, Uh, An exercise that I do with with clients is I just have them do a journal, right? At the end of each day, you write down, you know, what were your trigger moments? What were the events that got you into an emotional state? What happened? What what emotions did you feel? Why did you feel those emotions? Or it's best to say, what was the reason as opposed to why, right? So what was it that caused that emotion? What were some of the thoughts? That you were thinking that fueled your emotional state. Mm -hmm. And if you do this over an extended period of time, what you'll find is by week two, typically if you do it daily, you're gonna start seeing these patterns in the things that trigger you. You're gonna start seeing patterns in the emotions that arise. And you're gonna start seeing patterns in the stories that you tell yourself. Now you come to a position of power because you can see what's driving you and what's motivating you. And so self awareness gives you the ability to perceive, right? ability to perceive gives you the ability to choose and the ability to choose gives you freedom. And that's what it's all about.
0: A hundred percent. This is about freedom. I like the way you, you've you uh, articulated that. And I think it's great what you were just talking about there is that connection to mindfulness and emotional intelligence, because a lot of times it's recognizing the story that's then creating um, the emotions and feelings that come along with it. And when we start to reframe the story, uh, even recognizing that the story is playing in the background, a lot of times we're just in autopilot. We're not even with that until we have more of that awareness recognizing what the story is, because that's where you start to have the power of of shifting the story. um, uh, Asking yourself if the story is even true. I I can't tell you how many times when I've worked with clients and then they start to recognize some of the triggers and the emotional states that they get to. And then they recognize when they really start to explore, it's like, oh, that story is all made up and it's not even true.
1: Yes, exactly. And so it's, It's that all of these things are driving and motivating us, but they're outside of our view. We're not actually seeing them. This is where the lack of self-awareness comes in. But that becomes hard to believe, right? Because if I were to ask you, are you aware of the things that are driving you in every moment, the average person will say yes. If I were to ask you, are you self-aware, the average person will say yes. And it's such an elusive thing Because if I ask you about self-awareness, of course you're self-aware. You're here, you're breathing, you're awake, you're having a conversation, you're going in your car, you're driving, you're going to the grocery store. How could you do those things if you were not self-aware? And so there's this superficial level of awareness that we refer to or that we think about when I ask these kinds of questions that deals with just engaging in everyday life. And we confuse that with real self-awareness which means that you're able to see what you're assuming in any given moment. You're able to see what you're making up. By the way, most of your thoughts are just made up, completely made up, arbitrary stories. Why? Because we as human beings need to have meaning, right? So when that person cuts you off on the road, you need to have a reason for why that happened. Well, that person is a jerk, right? That person is inconsiderate. And we make that up without that second layer that says, what did I just tell myself? Is that true? And that's what I'm talking about when I say self-awareness because that person who cut you off, right? That person could be on their way to the hospital with their wife in the back who's about to pop a baby out. If you knew that, I'm sure that the stories you told yourself would be very different and I'm sure that the emotion that you felt would be very different. And so it's this inability to criticize our thoughts as they arise that prevents us from really being able to gain control over the way that we feel and think.
0: Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but that's why I'm a big proponent of meditation, even if it's doing it for 10 or 15 minutes a day consistently, because then you start to train your brain and you start to become more aware. Because like you said, we have 60,000 thoughts a day. We all do. It's just the reality of it. But you start to become more aware when your thoughts have gone and you can bring yourself back to the present moment. Are you in the past, the future, past the future? What's the story? So it just gets you, I've had, I know for myself, I've been meditating for a long time and it's the amount of, focus and creativity and ability to be present in the present moment through meditation is pretty incredible.
1: Absolutely. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about meditation, right? Tons of research on how meditation affects the brain, how it affects your emotions, how it reduces stress, how it creates mental clarity, how it helps you to be able to perform at high levels. We know that Athletes, for example, are performing at the absolute highest level, oftentimes will engage in meditation or visualization. We know that it works. We know that it's good for us. Just like we know that eating healthy works and it's good for us. Just like we know going to the gym is good for us and it, and it works, right? So now we have to talk about practice. The average person sits down to meditate. What's going to happen is they're going to sit down, have a seat. Maybe they're listening to an audio meditation. Maybe they're not. Close their eyes, start the breathing, and be like, ah, oh, man, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. Man, no wonder people said that you should do this. This is absolutely okay. amazing. You know, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell John about this because this is like such a good experience. And I noticed John gets really angry, like that one time when he said that one thing that really upset me, and it upset him too, but he wasn't able to really recognize his emotion. And you know what? I'm actually going to tell John about this the next time that we meet. 10 minutes goes on and you're having this, in, this dialogue in your mind, totally forgetting that you were supposed to be meditating. That's the average experience. If you're meditating for the first time and that's supposed to happen. This is what people don't tell you. If that doesn't happen, then you should be teaching me and everybody else. If you sit down to meditate and you do not get mentally distracted, you need to be a teacher of this stuff. Right? So that's what happens to the average person. And then we get discouraged. When what you really wanna do is cultivate that ability to bring the awareness back, to bring the awareness back, to bring the awareness back. Now, we have to be clear about what the connection is then, you know, between mindfulness, right, and emotional intelligence. What is the, what is the connection there? The connection is simple. When you're having an emotional experience, Right. If that emotion is driving, if you're not consciously aware of the fact that you're upset or angry or frustrated. Then you end up reacting, not choosing consciously, very detrimental to teams, very detrimental to relationships. This is the foundation of toxic cultures. It's also the foundation of environments that are not psychologically safe. And We know by the research that if the environment is not psychologically safe, people can't show up and do their best work. Now, mindfulness and meditation help you to be able to bring your awareness back. So when that emotion gets triggered, you're more likely to bring your attention back to that feeling, identify it, and then make a decision about how you are going to respond. And, you know... At a brain neuroscience level, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I understand that there are connections, strong connections between what we do in emotional intelligence and mindfulness and the brain. What is happening is you're shifting your focus from your flight and flight responses that happen in the amygdala, which is the most ancient part of the brain. It's the part of the brain that we've had the longest. It deals with our emotions and our sense of survival, all of these kinds of things. You're shifting your attention from that part of the brain to the front part of the brain, the neocortex, right? And that part deals with rational thinking, thought processing, reasoning, all of these kinds of things. So the whole idea is to bridge the gap, right? Bridge the gap between the emotional brain and the thinking brain so that they're working together. It's not about only one or only the other. It's about a synchronization so that they're not working against each other, which is the state that most of us are in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, really good explanation that you gave to um, help people understand. And I think everything that we've talked about on in today's podcast is really helping. It's, it's not about black and white or right or wrong. That's, it's, it's not about that at all. It's about every day practicing something new, putting it into action, progress, um i like to say progress not perfection right just get out there and start practicing everyone who's listening right now i know if i were to ask you right now what is a trigger that you experience a lot all of you listening could say oh this is one for me <laughs> when this happens okay so that's one that gives you one to start practicing right now and not on an intellectual level but i think that jamel did a great a uh, great job of giving you a lot of different tools and ways you can go about thinking that, about this so that you can start to put this into practice right now today after you listen to this podcast i'm going to challenge you to have one goal that you're focusing on
1: yeah and i, I extend that that challenge to you as, as well and if you're looking for resources um if you want to read a book the book to read i would say is emotional intelligence by daniel Goleman. Uh, it's a great place to start um there are some tools and some strategies in there but it will just get your appetite a little bit wet. Wow. Um, also, I have tools and resources as well if you wanna visit my website, which is JamelLindo.com, um, There are some resources on there to help you get started with the journey. These are things that you can do on your own. Um, and, and it's a great place to start, and it gives you a sense for what self-awareness is all about. Um, so anything that you do from here on out that involves taking on the practice Means that you're headed in the right direction.
0: Yes, yes. Um, having such a great conversation with you, don't want it to end, but these things do have to end. So, I just want to give you. An, <laughs> so, I just want to give you an opportunity to just leave your final thoughts with our audience.
1: You know, my final thoughts are this: we we live in such a fast-paced world where things are moving faster and faster. Technology is accelerating, and it's really easy to forget about yourself and to forget about your experience and to forget about your thoughts and to forget about your emotions so in this fast-paced world it becomes that much more important that you prioritize your state nobody else is going to do it for you it is nobody else's responsibility and the beautiful thing is that when you do begin to prioritize it, and when you do begin to enhance your ability to be mindful and emotionally intelligent, everybody around you will benefit. Your family, your friends, your organizations, your teams, your performance, everything will benefit from that focus. And that's really what I wanna leave you with today.
0: So important. Thank you so much for being here today, Jamal.
1: Thank you so much for having Mm -hmm. me,
0: Kristen. Uh, for everybody listening, uh, please come to the website, kristenharcourt.com with the show notes and I'll have Jamel's website so you can get all of those awesome tools that he's offering for you. And if you're not already subscribing, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or on my website as well, kristenharcourt.com. Have a wonderful day, everyone.